What's good, everybody? It's 99 miles per hour with me, your host, Percy Garner. And I wanted to let you know exactly what we're going to be doing on the show today. We got uh, a very good, very special guest that I was just introduced to. And we're going to talk about, uh, you know, curing diseases. And he's right here from my backyard. Very excited about that. Make sure you guys like and subscribe and hit the notification bell. I always forget to do that. And I want to make sure I let you guys know we're on our mission to a thousand subscribers. And that sounded weird, but (laughs) we're on our mission to a thousand subscribers and we would love for you guys to contribute and it's free and easy. And uh, we just want to make sure if you like the content that we're creating, that you let us know by doing that. And if you like anything that we're talking about in this video, make sure you comment about it down below. This episode is brought to you by Subway. What's good, everybody? It's 99 miles per hour with me, your host, Percy Garner. And uh, I'm excited for today's show. Uh, Sorry for the drought. Um, It's been raining a lot, but there hasn't been raining a lot of 99 miles per hour episodes. So (laughs) we're going to get back on track here. Hope you're enjoying the pitching tips uh, videos that I'm also posting on YouTube. Uh, More coming. Uh, And also, uh, I opened up our Discord, our pitching tips Discord. Uh, So if you are free and you want to know, you know, pick my brain and just have access to me and my knowledge about my pitching career and maybe helping your child, uh, then go ahead and click that link. The link will be down in the description. I also post it on Facebook and Instagram. So be looking forward to seeing you guys in there. Also, check out the merch store, percygarner.com. Oh, is that it? Yeah, percygarner.com. I change it. Yes, very simple. Very simple. Go there. All the proceeds go to help a Tuscarawas County student uh, with their funds in school. So it used to be Dover, but, you know, we got a new Philly guest today. So we're going to open it up to Tuscarawas County. And uh, yeah, uh, I enjoyed, you know, helping out a Dover student, but I want to, I want to broaden my horizons and uh, looking forward to that. So go there, look at some of the designs. I may be adding some soon, but we need some, uh, we need some support there. So support a student and uh, you know, it could be books depending on how many, how much merch you guys buy. So um, other than that, uh, I think we're ready to go. So I'm very excited for today. I got to uh, introduce uh, myself to this gentleman, um, I would say a few months ago, and I I was invited to an event that we're going to talk about, and I was blown away. I didn't know what to expect. Um, You know, uh, he's a doctor, and that was kind of cool, but, you know, I was like, okay, we'll see this fundraising event, and I I attended the event, and I was just like, wow, this is amazing, and uh, I know he said he's not, he doesn't feel like he's a great speaker, but he did a great job that night, and I was like, I gotta have him on the podcast, and uh, everything that he's doing is amazing. That he, that I'm talking about, is the director of the Research Institute for Children's Health, and that's what the Giving uh, Kids Hope event was about, and we're going to get into that. Uh, but he is also the professor, I hope I get this right, the professor of genetics and genome science, science at Case Western Reserve. Josh, make sure you edit out his whisper because I did that all by myself. <laughs> but without further ado, that was one of the longer intros. Let's get to Dr. Mitch Drum. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks, Percy. It's great to be here. <laughs> Thanks for the assistance. Um, <laughs> as you guys all know, I love giving introductions and, uh, you know, 
when you're someone with a lot of titles, he dumbed it down for me for two, but I still couldn't get that right. So, but we're excited to uh, learn more about you. And, um, you know, it's going to be a good conversation. Obviously, I've talked with you over the last few months, I would say. And uh, I really appreciate you inviting me to your event and getting to enjoy, you know, you know, your guys is um, what you guys are doing for kids. Obviously, the Rainbow Connection, we help as well. Um, but what you guys are doing is pretty amazing. And then the fact that, you know, that it, it helps someone locally. And it was an example and he provided like what your research has done. It really meant a lot. I know there were some teary eyes in the, in the audience, but um, I guess I just want to figure out, you know, what what's been going on um, with you lately, because I want to talk about the event a little bit and I want to get into, you know, how you got on this path to, you know, curing diseases. And it just sounds funny saying that because, you know, that's kind of like. When I, when I hear that statement, I just think of like Miss America and they're like, I want to, you know, do all this for the world and cure every disease and feed all the hungry people. But it's funny to have someone in my presence. And I know you've had a lot of help, you know, cause you're going to be modest here in a few minutes, but, <laughs> um, before we get into all that, just, you know, what are some projects you got going on outside of, you know, the, the big giving kids hope event that just happened? So <clears throat> if I can take a step back maybe okay. that that my training is in genetics and so um, that interest has evolved into genetics of human diseases so <clears throat> there's probably seven eight nine ten thousand different genetic diseases that affect kids and I got involved with one called cystic fibrosis that you heard about it our event and um <clears throat> but that was back in the 1980s when I got started on this. We've had such amazing success understanding how that disease, uh, what's wrong so that we know what to fix. And we've been able to fix it largely, not in everybody, but in many, many patients. And so we're trying to take, <clears throat> excuse me, what we learned from cystic fibrosis and apply it to as many other diseases as we can. So we have that pipeline or infrastructure built now. So the event that you were referring to, Giving Kids Hope, <clears throat> was a fundraising and outreach event to try to explain to the public what we're trying to do, the other diseases we're trying to, to work on, and to raise funds for them. These diseases are so rare. Most of them affect maybe one in 50,000, one in 100,000 kids. <clears throat> so there's not a market or an interest level to move those forward for the pharmaceutical companies, things like that. Okay. So the only way we can get them off the ground is to get support from the public to get them started. And so our purpose is to try to see if we can do the, the upfront work <clears throat> and <clears throat> man, excuse me, no, you're good. <clears throat> getting all <laughs> choked up about it. Right. <clears throat> um, but to see if we can make some progress so that the, the, the drug companies and the biotech companies can get interested. So the risk for them to invest in it would be lower. It, and, and then we think we have a chance to move it forward into the clinic and, 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 and help, help these kids out. Okay. So, so that's, anyway, that's the long answer that the projects we're working on now are things that, uh, diseases that affect the immune system, that affect the liver, um, the nervous system, things like that, that you've all seen, 
here, there, and uh, and about, but um, <clears throat> just trying to make people aware. Gotcha. Yeah, and I I wasn't you know aware that someone from you know my area was was doing these things until you know Kim and and Kelly kind of you know reached out to me, and it was really you know Kelly at first, and and then she introduced me to her sister Kim, and then I was like, man, this is crazy, and um. And then obviously here we are now, but I think it's pretty fascinating. And, um, you know, obviously I was invited to the event and it was amazing. It was at a place that I've never been. And it's literally, in <laughs> in your backyard. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in my backyard. And, uh, it was great to see that, uh, you know, that beautiful, um, you know, I'm gonna call it a, a facility. I don't know what else to call yeah. it. It's a beautiful building. <laughs> and I felt like special being there. And, uh, you know, I won some prizes as well, but we were also, um, able to beat, it was, it was equal, but you know, we know who really won Dover, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was a clever idea. And the whole event was just amazing. Um, but just, you know, I guess to, to talk about that real quick, just so next year, depending where it is, um, you know, if people are, are aware and able to contribute, uh, to the research that you, you know, you, you and your team have done, um, like just talk about, cause I guess people, I understand because I've planned <laughs> events, but just talk about, you know, how long it took and, and, you know, what the re end results were and how it's helping you and your team, you know, progress forward into a lot of these, you know, I guess diseases that you guys are trying to, to work on. Yeah. So the planning for the event each year. So we started this in 2015 and our very first event was in 2016 and my childhood friend Jim Demuth from New Philadelphia. Um, so uh, Jim has a, a winery out in Sonoma County, California, and uh, said, well, if you if raising money is what you need to do, why don't we have a fundraiser out in Sonoma? So our first event was out there. The second event was out there. And then we brought it back to Cleveland. And that was at the uh, uh, First Energy Stadium uh in the, the Browns draft room. And then the next year was at the Agora in Cleveland, uh, an old theater that's been refurbished. And then our friend COVID hit, and then we went virtual for the next two years. <laughs> our friend. And, um, <laughs> uh, and then this one that we just had down here in, in Dover to show off what we're doing to, uh, actually my goal was to show off Tuscross County to my Cleveland friends, but we got to do it both ways. So this, the most recent, the, this event down here at Columbia Woodlands uh, was over a year in the making trying to figure out how we were going to do this, how we're going to get folks from Cuyahoga County down to Tuscross County, get Tuscross Countyans involved, and so on and so forth. Um, it is not different, I think, from planning a wedding except for having auction items and raffles instead <laughs> of I do's. <laughs> I like that. It was more of an I will. Yes, I'll give you this. So, right. um, so that was the planning and then <clears throat> how to open it up to as many people as possible. So we ended up having a virtual component too. So it was being streamed the whole time. Um, I think we've learned we could probably have made that you learn every time you do something. Yep. Probably could have made that more um, open to more people, um, <clears throat> but the the goal of it is the funds that are raised. 
there were two goals. One was letting people know what we do. The other one is to actually raise funds for the research. So, and, and to put it in context, if, if I'm working in the lab and I have an idea, normally I have to make a proposal by which that idea will be sketched out and then I submit it to whomever the funding agency might be. They'll review it. I'll get comments back. I'll revise it, get comments back. And sometimes it's as much as two years from the time the idea comes to the time the first penny is dropped, right? So that's a long time to wait, particularly when you're talking about a disease. You know, if you're a family with an affected child, two years is quite literally a lifetime. So we put these events together to try to get funds that we could use in a discretionary way that when we thought we had a good idea, we got the idea on Monday, we start on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And that has just skyrocketed the types of things that we've been able to do. So that's, that's awesome. the, the goal of it. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, obviously me and my wife had a great time and, you know, having someone uh, like yourself from our area, you know, kind of heading this or as the director uh, of, you know, these researches that you're doing for children's health. It's just, um, it makes me feel good. I think I talked about this whenever I, you know, cause I never thought that I could play professional sports being from Tuscarawas County cause it's so small. <laughs> and then I realized that, oh, Cy Young, like <laughs> grew up and lived 30 minutes. Right. To sell. I'm like, Oh, okay. If I would have knew that, maybe that would have helped. But, um, and then obviously having someone like you to, uh, you know, be on this mission to change the world. And, uh, you know, obviously you need people to help you and to, to the chance to get to meet those people as well, uh, that I probably never would have met. It was amazing, but I also do want to take time to thank Peterman plumbing. Cause I forgot to do that at the beginning <laughs> for making this podcast possible. Um, but I just know for me, it, it makes a great deal to know like, okay, we've got, you know, Dr. Mitch drone from new Philly. We've got, you know, Nate, who we had on the show, uh, Nate Ames, who's at Ohio State, that's doing a lot of things in engineering. And then obviously we have some professional athletes and and stuff like that. But it's like, man, it's just crazy. Uh, But I kind of want to learn, you know, what made you because it's pretty self-explanatory to for like, hey, you know, what made you want to be a professional baseball player? But what made you kind of latch on and be so determined to to get to the spot you're at right now and, and want to continue to, you know, research and, and change people's lives family by family. So, oh boy, this is going to be a long answer for you. So <laughs> I knew it. That's why fill I fill up your cup. Yeah. Um, oh, I got my cup here. Yeah. Is that Steelers? Can you see the logo? <laughs> Josh is like, nope, we're editing it out. <laughs> so, so the interest in genetics came a long, long time ago. Um, when, when I was in third grade, or my I was in fourth, my sister in third grade, there was a guy uh, in New Philly who was raising mice, okay? And we found out about him. So we would go over there on our bicycles, and we each bought one. And in third and fourth grade, you don't know to lift up the tail and figure out if you got a boy mouse or a girl <laughs> mouse, right? So that quickly became a genetics experiment in our basement. <laughs> and <laughs> so... My fifth grade science project was tracking the coat color of the mice, okay. <laughs> of the things that were born. So, um, and my, my mom laminated the, the poster I put together on that. 
<laughs> so I still have that. So oh, as proof nice. of that, that was my intro to genetics. The reason I'm bringing that because that's still what I'm doing, not the coat color, but mouse genetics is a very big part of what we do for human genetics. So, so that interest in genetics has always been there. But the more important part to your question, though, is there, there aren't really opportunities to experience research, particularly biomedical research, around here, right? You need to be close to an academic center like and university. And so I lucked into it that when I got to Ohio State, I was dead set I was going to be a veterinarian and uh, was put in the animal sciences program there. And that was really the, you know, the, the large animal side of veterinary medicine, your cows, your sheep, your pigs. I was more interested in the pets, the dogs and the cats and things and mice. And, um, um, but along the way took some genetics classes and said, no, this is what really gets me stoked. So I majored in genetics and, um, vet school didn't happen for me. I didn't get into vet school. So I applied to graduate schools and was accepted into the human genetics program at the university of Michigan. And um, <laughs> for those of you who think I'm schizophrenic, that's not the case. It's just they had a genetics program, right? So um, um, my, my, my blood still runs red and, red and gray, scarlet and gray. Um, oh, you said red and gray. So, hey. yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. No. Ah. <laughs> no, we so, understood. We understood. So, so, um, so I entered the genetics program there, and I got there the same time a, a new – faculty member, a guy named Francis Collins had come to Michigan and he was looking for students uh, to work in his lab and he was just the nicest guy in the world. Um, and so I said, hey, do you mind if I come work in your lab? And he said, sure. Um, and I'll fast forward a few minutes. And when I say I'm lucky, this could be the coincidence was that he most recently, you will know him as the director of the National Institutes of Health, um, where he was the, the boss of Anthony Fauci and all the folks there you've been seeing so much uh, because of COVID stuff. But um, got his start at University of Michigan, uh, same time I started there as a student. But while I was working with him, we were um, he had me working on a technique to... Um, just to put it simply, to move from one place on a chromosome to another place. And compared to our technology today, this was archaic stuff, but it was things that hadn't been done before. And <clears throat> my neighbors in New Philly, uh, the Russes, had a son born with cystic fibrosis. And Percy, you got to hear Ryan speak mm -hmm. at our event. And so, so Ryan was born in December 84. I had just started grad school there. And um, I knew nothing about cystic fibrosis at the time. But a few months later, a group in Canada found that whatever caused cystic fibrosis was segregating in families with a, 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 a region of chromosome seven. And I know that means nothing, but, <laughs> um, but what it did was it gave us something to apply this technique we we're doing to get from A to B. We said, well, we know where A is now. The, the group in Toronto figured that out. Now, how do we get to the CF gene? 
So we applied our technology to that, and four years later, we ended up finding the gene that causes it. Once we had our hands on the gene and could figure out what made things go wrong in the cells of people with the disease, then it became possible to figure out ways to fix it. And that's where what Ryan was speaking about, the drugs that have come out of that have been just miraculous. I had nothing to do with the drug development, but it was that foundational work that allowed them to be developed. Um, so after, and I, I promise I will get back to answer your question and what got <laughs> me going on, that having been involved from the ground up on that whole thing and seeing the whole process work through, said, how can I not want to do that with as many things as possible? You know, you don't want to you know, reinvent the wheel 7,000 times. You know, we know how to do it. So now we just need to do it faster <laughs> and we can. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that, that's the, the, you, you got back to the answer that I wanted. I was like, you know, I, you, you, you did it. You did it. Now I don't know. <laughs> Usually, you know, I, I, I struggle with that and I sometimes need Josh or my guest to get me back on track, even though I have notes right here. Um, <laughs> but, but for, for, for you to obviously be involved in that and, and, you know, have a, a interest peaked and, and be able to go through the experience, I think it's pretty neat. And obviously you were, <laughs> you were going to be a veterinarian and then, you know, obviously things change, but we all know, you know, students that go to, to college change their majors. So it, it all happens. But um, I kind of wanted to also, you know, I guess compare it because I know it's the research for uh, Institute for Children, uh, Children's Health. But like I know research is one one way, you know, mm -hmm. and that's I just want to see like compare and contrast the research that you do and how you go about it compared to like, you know, me as in. My, my paper I had to make uh, to write before I graduated because I just graduated in the last December. I like to brag about that. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, I'm scouring the Internet, trying not to look at Wikipedia. Um, I know you're not getting your information from Wikipedia, <laughs> but just how does that compare? Like, what, how do if I, you know, I know you you like to try to explain things in layman's terms as much as possible. But, you know, just kind of have at this explanation how you want it. But like. I'm just curious, you know, how your process is. And I know you've shared a little bit, you know, how you, you look for, you know, the chromosome and, and families and then you find out the other one. But, you know, in, in your research, just give us, a, I guess, a, a dumbed down version or a, a very advanced version of how you go about attacking no, the research. It's, it's a really good question. And, and I'll maybe make the distinction between... <clears throat> oh man, excuse me. Maybe I do have COVID. Maybe um, you need some water <laughs> from the Steelers uh, cup. <laughs> <laughs> we, we call that swill in Ohio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, oh, man. No, the um, research versus experimentation are not exactly the same thing, right? Okay. So, so when I you know tell you that I'm writing a grant or something, that's actually more analogous to the research that you do when you're doing your, your college or high school paper on research, where you have to go in and you look for sources of information and you try to put all the pieces together to say, well, wait a minute, how do these all fit together? And that leads you then to that hypothesis part of science. Well, I found this, this, and this, and those make sense if this. Yeah. So 
what differs between what we do in the lab then is we get to the next step. So if that's true, that's a hypothesis. I now need to test it. I want to see if that's true, that idea I put together. And if it is, I'll go one way. And if it's not, then I start digging again and see if there's another explanation I can come up with. Okay. So that makes sense. That's a, a reasonable explanation. Yeah, that was, that was well done. <laughs> but, but we do exactly the same things. You know, you're, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because I remember some of the research papers I did in, in high school might not have had the same veracity of the ones that I do now. Well, I took a little liberties with the yeah, references. I didn't like, yeah, yeah. I didn't like really writing papers until, because usually you don't get to pick what you write the papers yes. on. Um, but for this last, you know, this 20 page paper I had to write when I saw that, I was like, Oh gosh. Um, but, um, once I figured out, I was like, Oh, I get to choose. And I chose, um, you know, paying college athletes mm-hmm. and the, the pros and the cons and going in before I did my research, I was assuming that I'm going to be, Oh yeah, pay them a salary, do all this. And then I figured out like, Oh, that's actually not the best. And I think what they kind of have set up now is is pretty good with the NIL. So it's kind of free. It's not on the school to pay salaries because then probably scholarships wouldn't happen and so on and so forth. But it still needs to be regulated a little bit. But um, so I, I like the way you explained how your, yeah. your stuff. But you made the, the perfect point about this that when you're oh, writing you about. That, <laughs> <laughs> I made the perfect point. No, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> when, you're, when you're doing it on something you're interested in, it makes all the difference in the world. When you're told what to look up, <clears throat> okay, fine. I got my 10 references. I'm done. Yeah. But when you like what you're doing, you're interested in it, you get to 20 to 30 to 40 references and you still haven't had enough. Yeah. You really want to dig in. Yeah. So, and, you know, obviously there was a couple things I could have chose to go on, but <laughs> I decided to do the, you know, that. And I was... I was watching videos. I was watching TED Talks. I was mm-hmm. watching everything. So, and obviously now, uh, as opposed to when you went to school, <clears throat> we had real chalkboards with chalk and everything. Yeah, yeah. We got a lot more things to look at, and maybe that's a bad thing though, because maybe it was more credible when you were looking at. You were looking at you know, books and articles that had been written from people who had already done research as opposed to everyone and their mom now has a say and it's on the internet and you have to sift through all that garbage to get to something that's actually real. <laughs> so I guess maybe, maybe it was better. Back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's sort of two sides of the coin that there's so much information it's inundating, inundating, but um, there's a lot more information available than there used to be too. But yeah, sorting through the real and the fabricated is tough sometimes. Fun, fun times. Um, <laughs> now, obviously you're going to continue to do the work that you're doing. Um, but how, I just want to know quickly, how is the, the Cleveland community, how are they, you know, entrenched in, you know, the research that you do in case, uh, at case Western. They've been very supportive. Um, and I will tell you the limitation has just been the outreach that when we get out and tell them what we're doing, um, folks just step up and help out. Um, you know, we certainly experienced that down here, right? <laughs> I mean, everybody, you saw everybody this, how can we help? Yeah. And it's the same thing there. So I think, you know, as I said, the two things we're trying to do are the outreach and the research itself. <clears throat> and they're, they're interdigitated. So 
um, without the outreach, we don't get any help. And so one of my, um, my soapbox is to get out there and tell people the type of things we're doing and what's possible. Yeah. You know, there's still folks that think that cancer has to be a death sentence mm. and it's still a lethal disease for many people, but so many people have actually been successfully treated and cured of many cancers. So getting the reality, it's uh, again, back to what you're saying, you know, sorting through the actual information from <clears throat> the preconceived notions yeah. and things like that. I think we just have to tell people, be honest with them about what we can and can't do what we can do now and what we probably will be able to do in the not too distant future. Cause I will tell you the technology has just blown by. Um, just one of the more astounding little tidbits for your trivia night. Um, <laughs> the, the first genome <clears throat> sequence that was created um, took about 13 years and $3 billion. So just to find out the chromosomal structure of one person wow <clears throat> we now can do that in about three days for under a thousand dollars oh my gosh okay? so so now what was a wow isn't that amazing can now be thought of as a almost a standard medical test that if you come in and the doctor can't figure out what's going on with you or your child or whatever for many of those you just take a blood sample <clears throat> sequence your genome and find out what genes not working right. Oh, and okay. that was science fiction not very long ago. Yeah, that's crazy. So I always look at technology one way. I don't really look, I look at it how it can make my life more efficient. And sometimes <clears throat> I take, I go deep down in the hole <laughs> and I make my life like way more complicated than I need to. And then I come back like, all right, what am I doing? But to look at technology in that manner and how it can improve our lives uh, in a health wise, not just like, Hey, you know, what's easier, what's less taps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what I always yeah. love to look for. But uh, I love technology so much that, you know, I'm obviously interested in, in, in the things you just talked about and how it can improve life and improve our research to prevent diseases. So all this is amazing. And I, I just, you know, I want to know, you know, is there, do you have, certain diseases on the horizon now that you're specifically, you know, you know, attacking, I like that word. Um, <laughs> or is it, are you kind of just, um, at a different state, I guess, in your research? Yeah. So each of them is sort of at a different phase. Um, two of them that I'm excited about right now, um, are one is called a glycogen storage disease. Um, it's one that you're, you know, most of us, when we eat a a meal, the carbohydrates that we eat will get stored in our liver as a, a molecule called glycogen. And it's basically, you can think of it like a pearl necklace that each pearl is a molecule of glucose. Okay. And so it's stored there in your uh, liver. Then when you're exercising or sleeping, your body will break that necklace down and each pearl comes off one at a time. So as a molecule of glucose that your brain can use, your muscles can use for energy. Okay. So these kids that have these glycogen storage diseases, they're not able to break that down. So it just makes the necklace stays there and they can't use it. So if they don't get an almost constant infusion of uh, glucose, they'll go into a coma. Wow. And, and I got to know about this because a young lady came into my lab. She's just graduated from Ohio State. Um, 
which came into my lab one day um, in as a freshman in high school, and she started asking me all these really, really insightful genetics questions. I said, all right, this is not typical, <laughs> <laughs> only to learn she's affected by one of these. And to uh-huh. get to know her and her parents, even at 17 years old, they were getting up with her two and three times a night to make sure she had her her glucose wow. drink, um, actually cornstarch. But you can imagine, you know, if you've had a child, that first year is a blur to you because you're up all night. Yeah. Imagine doing that 17 years straight, right? Not yeah. to mention the the issues that the child is facing as well. So, um, so anyway, so that one was another one. It just took a personal interest for me. And it also, from a strategic standpoint, the liver is one of the most easily accessed organs so that we think if we can fix a disease, the liver's a place to, a good place to start. Gotcha. So, and then the other one is called, uh, it's a, the long name is a mucopolysaccharidosis. Um, wow. But it's uh, <laughs> named after a physician that first characterized it called San Filippo uh, syndrome. And this is one that affects the nervous system that, it's not the nerves are not able to break down a particular molecule and they essentially choke off the nerve. So these kids <clears throat> develop a decline in their nervous system. So they lose body control and things and usually um, die within several years. Wow. So, um, so really devastating kinds of disorders, but <clears throat> unlike our cystic fibrosis, where we're going to have to figure out a way to get into almost all cells of the body, those two have very specific targets, one the liver, the other one the nervous system. So, <clears throat> so um, horrendous diseases, but we think that they're ones we can, we can make some headway on. Awesome. Now, real quick, last question. Um, what are, I know you said that the liver is one of the easily, you know, accessible organs that we have. Is there a type of disease that is easier for, you know, whether it be immune, nervous, you know, those that you guys are like, okay, we know we can handle these type of diseases easier, or is it, is it not really like that? And you kind of just, you know, if you have a situation like you just explained where someone's, you know, kind of in your face and they're affected by it, then you like, okay, I want to, I want to go after this. Yeah. It's a good thing you picked that as your last question. Um, (laughs) The, so, so getting to it, when I say it's easy to get to, um, I mean, it, if I put something in your blood, <clears throat> the first place it's going to go is your liver. It kind of screens everything out. Okay. So it's, it's easy to get to that way. But it's like, you know, opening your computer, um, say, all right, it's the, the top is easier than the bottom. But that doesn't mean what I have to fix is going to be easier because I went in the top or the bottom. Gotcha, gotcha. And that's the same where it might be easy to get into the liver, but what I have to fix in those liver cells may or may not be more easily done. And that's where we are right now trying to figure out, we know how to get into them. Now we need to know if we can actually fix it the way we think we can. Okay. Um, I don't that makes any sense but <laughs> it does it does i swear i that was just me thinking I, my eyes go up here um <laughs> but i mean now that i understand because before that i was like oh you know he just goes in the liver and that's it's easy to, to get it yeah. done in there but <laughs> but that makes sense um but but man i i appreciate 
um, you know, you come in here and I want to also make sure you guys are aware if you do want to contribute to the rich or to the research Institute for children's health, I will hopefully have a link that I can link down in the description and you can go right there and, and help contribute to, to, uh, Mitch and his, his projects and his team to, so they can, you know, obviously help, uh, families, more families around this world. So, uh, and you'll set me up with that. I will. And okay. also I, I may take a while, but I will answer emails also. <laughs> so if you just, if you have questions, you want to know about it, you know, we get all kinds of messages from folks saying, Hey, I just went to the doctor. They gave me this genotype report and I don't know what, what the heck it means. You know, happy to help you understand um, the complexities of things oh, right now. That's cool. So. Okay. So you want me to put your email down there too? Sure. Okay. We'll put the email and the, the link to, uh, to where you can contribute to this one. There's wonderful. It's not like a building. It's, it, it's uh, what you had to tell me yep. it, it's inside case West and it's just you and you and your team and, and, and what you guys are able to do and, and then, uh, I'm using again, attack these diseases. So um, if you want to contribute to that, the link will be in the description. Also make sure you guys, you know, tune in to, you know, we got more episodes coming. This one be live. Um, I'm, tr you know, we're trying to, to make this happen. I need more guests and I, I'm trying to go after guests that, you know, fit the build of more like, you know, uh, Dr. Drum here or, you know, baseball players. And I might be aiming more towards sports here in the near future, <laughs> but you know, we'll try to see, I might be going, making a rainbow channel where we, okay. you know, interview community leaders and people like yourselves and then keep you know, sports on this channel, haven't decided all that, but we're working on that. Um, but, uh, I appreciate you guys for, you know, subscribing to the channel. Um, obviously we're still on the mission to a thousand. So if you could make sure you get that thumbs up button and subscribe, it's free, easy, and, uh, also contribute, um, you know, to, uh, obviously, you know, Dr. Drum's cause here and, uh, it'll be very easy. Uh, I'll put pretty much everything that you need to do. It will be down in the description. If you want to make your own podcast and you don't know what equipment to buy, that'll be down in the description and the merch link will be down in the description. So if you need anything, it'll be down there. And then also, if you have any questions, um, you can email uh, Dr. Drum or you can uh, put a question or anything down in the comments and, you know, we'll go from there. But again, subscribe, like, and uh, hit the bell. So you'll be notified, notified every time we have another video go live. Tune into those pitching tip videos. I'll be making some more. We got a next one that's coming out about how to make all your pitches effective. Uh, so without further ado, we'll just, we'll, we'll end this episode. So usually the guest feels like they should say bye. If you want to, you can, but <laughs> I, well, I'll say bye. I'll say, say, uh, Percy and Josh, thank you very much for having me. This was, uh, very enjoyable. And, uh, thanks to all of you out there listening. Well, thank you for being here. I'm glad you said it's enjoyable. Um, but yeah, without further ado, we'll let you guys go on to the next video, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Peace.